Is there an app for this uh, mattress? No, there isn't. Uh, I did consider some that were a smart bed. Because <laughs> it's actually, it, they're like not that much more expensive. It's kind of crazy. User error 87. I'm Joe. I'm Alan. And I'm Dan. And we're back. And we've got some hashtag ask error questions for you. And remember, you can submit them either on Twitter or in the Telegram group, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash Telegram, or via email, error.show slash contact. So the first one then, do any songs trigger you to cry? Yep, Bette Midler, Wind Beneath My Wings. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there was a film, it was the title score for i think and i remember watching it as a kid with my mum and the final song it's i think it's something about a close friendship between two women i can't even remember the story of the film and i think spoiler alert one of them dies but this is like 35 years ago this film or something and that song comes on and it's quite a sad ending to the film and when the song's playing you know my mum and i were cuddled up on the sofa many years ago and i both of us started crying because it was a sad end to the film because uh, we were emotionally invested in these characters and that's it now that that song is ingrained in my head and if it plays i'm like oh, 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 oh here we go <laughs> i don't know why so i have one and that is mike and the mechanics the living years that is a song i did look it up once and it's a bit more complicated as to who wrote it about what but my takeaway from it is it's about a fella who uh, his dad is dead and he feels really bad that um, he wasn't on good terms with him when that happened. And it's just this really sad story about how he regrets all that. And he wishes he could have told him in the living years. And then like towards the end, he's talking about um, how his baby is crying and he can almost hear his dad's laughter in that cry and stuff. And it just gets me every time. I tried listening to this earlier on today to see if it still makes me cry. And I felt myself going, I was like, right, got to turn it off. Otherwise, I'm uh, crying like a baby. So I don't know if I have a song that makes me cry, but I know that uh, every time it gets to the chorus in Mr. Brightside by the Killers, like my stomach kind of turns, like I just kind of got that same feeling, like where he's like, you know, and my stomach is sick now. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I can feel it. Like it's uh, just, I don't know. There's something about it that kind of is associated with kind of those feelings, I guess, that it's just, uh, I don't know. But it's not necessarily crying, but yeah, it does make me feel uneasy. That is really weird because when I turned off Mike and the Mechanics today, I thought, right, I need to have a, something happy, a happy song. And I thought, ah, right, yeah, Mr. Brightside. And that is what I listened to immediately afterwards to cheer me up because that is, I think, a, a reasonably good upbeat rock song. The reason it cheers me up is because a uh, mutual friend of mine and Alan's, Stuart, despises the song. And so <laughs> every opportunity I get to troll him with it, I do. That's kind of the weird thing about it, though, right? Is it's this kind of upbeat song, but the actual like story of it is really kind of sad. I suppose so, but it's not one that I've really listened to the lyrics too closely to if you know what i mean it's not like a proper story song to me yeah because it is like very like pop rock right and yeah. so it has kind of this very like throwaway feel to it but then when you if you listen to it i don't know that's just how i feel about it it's just like listening to it it's like it seems very casual and just throwaway and whatever you know meaningless blah like you know pop radio or whatever but then there's this like layer underneath that's like 
actually, I feel terrible and, you know, I'm going to hide it and all this like, I guess this, this covering of this just being, you know, this, this kind of shallow, happy, upbeat, whatever, but it's like underneath it's, it's terrible. It's funny. There's, there's plenty of songs that give me like the shiver down the back of my neck or like make the hairs on my arms stand on end. There's plenty of those. And one that almost brings me to tears and I don't know why, but they're, they're happy tears. They're not sad tears is Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, and it's called Home. And it was used as a music in a Levi's advert years ago. And I don't know why. I just don't know why it sends shivers down my spine. There's something about that composition that just makes me all shivery and and, and feel nice. And, uh, yeah, I, I play it quite a bit, and I don't know why. I have something similar to that. Um, and that is Lacrimosa. I think it's Mozart's Requiem number something or whatever. And that is at the end of Amadeus, I think, um, when, spoiler, he dies. And it's I just cannot believe that one person could write something so beautiful, and that sometimes moves me to tears if I'm uh, tired and emotional, shall we say. Uh, I have been known to cry at that just because it's just such a masterpiece. Is it the realization you'll never write something as good as that? <laughs> that is part of it, yes. How many communication channels is it possible to keep up with? Okay, so I, I for this one, I feel like this depends. Is it how many communication channels in totality or per person? Because I fucking hate it when one person sends me a message on Twitter and then texts me and then sends me an email and then sends me a message on wherever the hell else. Like, pick a platform, man. If one person can pick one platform, then I feel like it's fine. I'll have whatever amount of ridiculous communication apps I need to have to keep in contact with all the people I need to talk to. As long as someone could do that. I'm suddenly aware of the Twitter DM that I sent you the other day. No, no, no. That, that was actually good because I wasn't looking at Telegram at the time and, and it popped up in my notifications. Uh, Telegram's difficult because their notification control is not very good. So I feel like I have to check in on it for the people that I actually want to hear from. But if I just leave notifications on, then it's like, oh God, I'll never get anything done. Communication channels. Do you mean channels within a product or do you mean total channels across all products total across everything irc channels slack channels telegram groups i guess it depends on how caught up you think we need to be in any of them like i'm in a hundred irc channels and i'm in 50 telegram groups but i don't monitor all of them at all uh if i've got the desktop telegram client open then i can see probably 20 like the most recent thing that was said in 20 of them and if i happen to glance up and see something interesting that i might click on that channel and then join the conversation if someone pings me then i'm more likely to join the conversation um on irc i don't follow any irc channel i'm in basically until someone pings me or I'm that bored that I will just surf through the various IRC channels I'm in. I don't think that counts as keeping up then. No, exactly. That's what I mean. I, I don't. Uh, there's probably half a dozen Telegram channels 
where I read every message because they're so low traffic um, that I can. But IRC, no. Riot, no. Uh, WhatsApp, yes. There's I'm only in like half a dozen WhatsApp groups. Facebook, not at all. So yeah, I think I think there's a limit that you can probably see on one hand is probably that you can keep up with. So yeah, I, I I think no more than no more than ten, and the when you get beyond five, you're doing a bad job with the ones beyond the first five. And Joe only uses IRC, so he doesn't have this problem. <laughs> I wish. I I don't know. I think maybe twenty, maybe. Um, it depends how how high traffic they are. With the the lower traffic ones, we have a, a channel for every show, and I pretty much keep up with all of those. Um, and then I'm in several Telegram groups that I don't keep up with, but maybe three or four that I do read every message in. So I'm I'm going to say between ten and twenty, I think, for similar reasons that that you did, Alan. Then what about Twitter and the other social stuff, like non-chat stuff? Because I use TweetDeck and I have columns and columns and columns for days, and. I don't keep up with all of those. I just, I just, if I happen to look at the browser tab or I happen to open the app at that time, I'll look at whatever's there at the time, but I don't read every tweet and I don't read every column. Surely, as long as you're not Joe, there are communication channels which you don't intend to keep up with, right? Well, that's basically every IRC channel I'm in. Like who besides Joe reads every tweet? It's not meant to be done. I'm trying not to. I've, I've followed <laughs> a few more people and I, I don't read them or I scan through them, but I, um, I, I, I can, I'm getting better at deciding whether that tweet is worth fully reading or whether it's worth skipping, much like with the thousand or so headlines that I read in my RSS reader every week. I've developed a skill of very quickly deciding whether that is bullshit. Like if it has anything to do with Apple or whatever, then. I'm generally not that interested in it. And so I'm trying to develop that skill for Twitter, but it is hard because i that's how I had used Twitter up until we had the conversation about it. And this dipping in and out thing, I, I don't know if I can fully get down with that, but I'm somewhere in the middle now. It definitely seems like for me, the definition of like, Having kept up with Twitter is I saw, you know, my friend's hot take about who they hate on Love is Blind. It's not like I've seen every single thing that anybody has ever tweeted. And I would say the same thing about like Slack channels for the most part, too. It's like, do I need to see every message that anybody's ever sent to feel caught up? Like, no, I just need to know kind of what's going on today to feel caught up, I think. Well, even with really important work stuff. I mean, not everything is stuff that directly affects me or impacts me. And so it's like, as long as I have a high level overview of what's generally happening, like I don't need to read every message. I think that makes you a good boss. Oh, thanks. Do you own a 2D printer? And what was the last thing you printed out? I do own a 2D printer. And I think the last thing that I printed was like a temporary parking permit or something super fun like that. I love that you called it a 2D printer because it's weird that we have to make this definition, like distinction between what is a 2D printer and a 3D printer, as if 3D printers are that common, that if you'd have just asked, do you own a printer, 
Although, yes, both of us would have gone, well, do you mean a 2D printer or a 3D printer? Exactly. You've got to head it off at the pass. Yeah, you're right. Actually, the thing you're referring to as printer is GNU slash printer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I own two 2D printers. One is an HP multifunction color laser printer. And the other is an Oki laser, black laser printer. And the last thing I printed was today, I printed a note from Gedit, which was uh, my notes for doing a YouTube video. And I thought if I print them out, then I can have them to hand and I can not forget stuff. And so, yes, I have printed something today and I printed something yesterday. But before that... I can't remember what I've printed. The printer does get used a lot in this house because my wife is a teacher. And so she uses it a lot for printing out uh, stuff for her students, like notes and stuff and printing out important documents for work. And the kids use it for printing out their homework sometimes. But most of their homework is electronic these days. So they don't need to print stuff. Well, I very much own a printer and I don't like to talk too much about it, but uh the last thing I printed out was a form for my charity work because uh, the cat charity that I volunteer for, uh, everything is printed out. There's no digital signing of things. It's um, a lot of older people involved. And so now it's all pen and paper. And so when I uh, took a cat in, I had to print out the form for it. But also my wife likes to print out her boarding passes because she likes to have a paper copy of it. I say, just stick it on your phone. It's fine. Oh, what if my phone goes flat? Use a portable charger. Oh, what if what if my phone breaks? I've got my paper. What if you lose the paper? Then I'll use my phone. Uh, okay. So we do use our printer more than most people, I think. Yeah, I sometimes print boarding passes, uh, but not very often. I had a friend stay over once who was... Uh, they were, we were all flying to the uh, same place. So we, everyone stayed over at my house and in the morning we realized we hadn't printed our boarding passes out. So they all printed them out. And one of my friends was really weird about not revealing his date of birth to anyone ever. And, uh, I said, Oh, you can print your boarding pass out here. And, uh, he went. (laughs) So he actually physically ran to the printer in order to grab his boarding pass off the printer in order to ensure that nobody would see it. I should have uh, fixed it so that it printed two copies so I could see it afterwards just to annoy him. But yeah, printers are weird. People who use printers are weird. Why are people who use printers weird? It's just old. It's old school. Like send a send it as an email to your phone even if you don't have to use the app because the app might break just most ticket places you can say send it to me as a pdf and then you've got a pdf on your phone it's like electronic paper yeah or you can just print to pdf which is what i do and then stick it on my nas and then connect my ancient mac to that nas so that i can actually print it out because it's the only computer that works with my printer now well, it's just email it to your phone and like open it on your phone. Yeah, but this is, I'm talking about the charity stuff where uh, it can't be on a phone. It can't be electronic. It has to be pen and paper. I'm just thinking of all these old people who have to deal with the bullshit that is printers and drivers and all that nonsense these days in 2020. It's awful. Poor things. You know, surprisingly, I feel like for the most part, printers just kind of work now. The last time that I've had to connect to a printer, it just did it. And I didn't have to install any drivers or anything. I could just print. 
Yeah, but that was on Linux. And yes, that's been yes. the case for years. Well, my printer used to work in Zubuntu 12.04, then I upgraded to 14.04, and it stopped working. And it's never worked since with all the upgrades that I've done. And I've tried everything. I've tried reinstalling. I've tried just, I don't know what happened, but it just stopped working. Have you filed a bug? Uh, I'll get right on that. So we at Canonical hired the Linux printer guy, Till Campeter. And he is so dedicated to this stuff and is passionate about making printing. You know, he, he doesn't look at any other aspect of the Linux desktop or any other aspect of Linux. He is totally zeroed in on making printing as seamless as possible. And he's worked for Canonical for years and years, and he is super attentive when it comes to printing related bugs. So I always tell people, you know, I always tell people anyway to file a bug, but for printing, especially so, because I know who's on the receiving end of it. And I know he's a super lovely guy who deeply cares about making printing work properly. I don't know how he keeps up with it. I feel like just for myself to try to deal with hardware compatibility stuff that it's like, oh man, now I have to like have this peripheral or this display or whatever. And it seems like he just owns every printer ever made somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. In an ever-shrinking world, should we drop tradition and use the easiest and most logical spellings and pronunciations? Welcome to America. Well, yeah, this is kind of prompted by dealing with Americans all the time and being quite particular about language. Should I just start spelling center with ER instead of RE? And should I just not fight speaking American anymore? Um, you know, I, I feel like I, I live a double life when I'm talking to my colleagues and other Americans. I speak in this kind of American way. Whereas when I'm speaking to English people, I deliberately make an effort to say English words instead. But this world is like getting smaller and smaller all the time with communication and everything. It feels like eventually we're all just going to have to just go for whatever's the easiest and most logical. It definitely seems like English is a bastard of language anyway. So what is it really going to hurt to change it again? I'm torn. Uh... I, I am afflicted by this irritation when people say things in inverted commas wrong. Let's, let's use the word wrong. Um, so for example, when people say the word ask with the K and the S around the wrong, wrong way. Now, <laughs> yes. And that just gets on my tits because it's like the simplest fucking word. It's three letters and the first one doesn't move, but somehow the other two do. Now, I realize there may be some cultural sensitivity training I need to go on in order to understand why that's happened and that there is certain people who use that word for some reason. There may be some reason why they've started using that word and the word has the word's pronunciation has changed, right? It doesn't stop it being annoying to me because I can see the word written down and I can hear them saying it and they're very clearly saying it wrong, right? But the flip side is language evolves. It's nothing, it's nothing really to do with the fact that the world is getting smaller. It's just that language evolves. Get over it. If you look at how words were written a couple of hundred years ago or three or four hundred years ago, the words were written differently. And so, and the words were pronounced differently. 
language changes over time. And yeah, okay, because the world is getting smaller, shall we say, we're getting exposed to more people and probably the the language is changing at a more accelerated rate because you know kids in the UK are watching a lot of uh, US TV programs and Americans are apparently watching Peppa Pig, which is making children in America talk like uh, British people, apparently. So I, I think I'm conflicted because I hate it, but also it's inevitable and you just have to embrace it because it's going to happen. I just can't see how anyone could defend that there is a right way to do anything in English when it seems like you have things like, oh, well, it's winding, but it's a window. Uh, it's a cough, but it's through. And, you know, and like the spellings don't make any sense and aren't consistent in any way whatsoever. Right. But that's because the language has evolved and has imbibed other languages along the way and is inspired by, you know, the various invasions that have happened in England over the many years. Um, so I think there, there is always reasons. I don't think, I think you're being super reductive if you just look at the word as it's written on the page and say, I want to say it like this because that's the way it's written down. And those letters are pronounced like this. Therefore, the word is, is pronounced like this. You know, if you look at the etymology of the word and you understand where it came from, you can understand why it's pronounced a particular way. That doesn't always work. Sometimes it's just, well, that's the way we say it. You know, uh, tough shit. You're just going to have to learn it. Um, it's not Esperanto and it never will be Esperanto. You have to just learn how to fucking do it. Yeah. But I guess hey, how can you look at something like ask you a question and then go, that's clearly wrong because the spelling is the other way around. But then you don't say theater like theater. <laughs> yeah. Did he murder him? No, it was just man's laughter. <laughs> I think I need to like chill out in my old age because I used to get really, really knocked about this kind of shit. And I used to get irritated when people pronounce things incorrectly. Uh, what is it? Uh, the word that, that sums this up nicely is mispronunciation. Yeah. I think it's <laughs> which ironically mispronounced. Um, but I think I need to chill out because I, it doesn't matter. The whole point of language is to convey a message. And so long as the other person understands the thing you're trying to say, it doesn't matter if they're saying acts. You know, if the, it, the word in context is, I'm going to ax you a question, I'm not expecting them to pull a meat cleaver out of their pocket and start throwing that at me. I am expecting them to actually ask me a question. And I don't need to say, did you mean ask? Did you mean ask? Say it properly. I'm not <laughs> going to answer your question until you say the word correctly. Like, that's just stupid and petty. Just get over it and accept that the world changes. Yeah, it's like with uh, HTTPS, for example, which it's not. H is incorrect, but... I would argue that maybe H is correct now because in the UK at least because more people probably say H than H and therefore that's how that's the rules of language whatever the majority say is what's correct right um and and amount of people and you know less people or whatever like that is technically wrong but if more people say amount of people rather than the correct number of people then maybe that's correct as well and maybe I should just chill out about that and not cringe inside whenever anyone gets it wrong right it, it, i have to i clench my buttocks whenever i see someone using addicting instead of addictive and yeah it's just like there's even addicting games like yes. this is like a whole website i know stuff. it's just 
like whenever I see it, I just want to punch someone. But like I say, I'm trying not to have a heart attack here at the age of 47. So I think it's probably best that I just let that slide. I'm definitely playing devil's advocate because I also kind of cringe when it's like, okay, that's not proper English. But then it's like, okay, you know what? English is kind of this weird language anyways. And it's really actually interesting to watch the grammar change and evolve and uh, I recently read an article that was talking about, um, I don't know if it was about inner city kids specifically, but um, there was uh, children that they were interviewing and that a specific child discovered that Namin isn't one word. It was like, do you know what I mean? Like realizing that that's several words and not <laughs> one word and and thinking like, you know, how long will it take for Namin to be in the dictionary? Just normal English. Like, that's just English, right? Because that's how things work, right? Yeah, unless you mandate that language doesn't change, like in France, for example. If you just have free reign for everyone, then it will evolve, just like everything evolves. And, um, you know, like efficiencies with bodies like a, a more efficient leg to run or whatever is selected for by natural selection so will things like no i mean because that's just much easier to say um and you know ima is a, another example of that oh yeah 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 i'm gonna go and get that done instead of i am going to yeah it's it just it's quicker to say and so ultimately you're right i think it will become dictionary definition it might take 50 or 100 years or whatever but eventually it will which hugely popular apps or websites do you just not get you know i'm i'm looking at the top charts for apps and several of them I think we already talked about TikTok, so I won't talk about that one. But, you know, before I never got into Snapchat either. Do either of you guys Snapchat? Oh, God. I have a teenage daughter who uses Snapchat, and it's they they moved. They were, I think some of them were on Facebook, and then they moved to Instagram, and they had a group chat on Instagram, and then they moved to Snapchat. And she'll get in my car, and I'll drive her to dancing, and she'll just take a random photo of the floor pan of the car. And it'll be clearly a blank photo. And I'll say, what are you doing? And she's going, oh, just get, keeping my, oh God, what do they call it? A run where, you, um, where you get like so many days where you've had a photo, you've taken a photo and they just take bullshit crap photos of nothing just to, to keep the, the sequence going with a friend because you get magic internet points in that app. I don't understand that for one. I don't understand kids. Explain it to grandpa. Why? <laughs> Why would you do this? I've heard a theory, right, and I don't know how true this is, that Snapchat is deliberately confusing to old people <laughs> so that they will keep them off the platform and stop it turning into Facebook, where it's like all of even like our parents' generation are on Facebook. They want to keep it young people only. I, I don't know. It is terribly confusing. I tried to use it, and I just could not understand how it worked. I just felt like such an old man. 
the way I've heard that story is they make it hard to use so that someone else has to show you how to do it. Right. So that you have to like interact with another user of the platform that it's kind of like a way to buy into like, oh, well, someone who shows me how to do it is now my friend on the platform. All right. Well, I've got one that is more relevant to us and that is Reddit. I don't get it. It is the worst forum software in the world. Really? Yes. Well, I, mm, okay. So I do get it. I, I use Reddit a lot, but I use an app. I don't use the website. The website's shite. And then the new theme is awful. And I use old.reddit.com, which is the old UI, which is much nicer and an app, which looks like the old website. And I think it's great. I also do not use the website, but I do use the official Reddit app and it's fine. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with like being able to use it. But I think Reddit's another one where it's kind of like Twitter, where it like really depends on what you subscribe to is how your experience is. And I know they've changed like the default subs a lot. And I don't know that that's been for the better. You see, for me, it's not about content and people saying that, oh, it's really toxic on there or whatever. I'm sure there are really friendly subreddits. For me, it is just about the platform itself. The fact that things get voted up and down. What's the difference between like trending and controversial? And it's, it's just terrible, terrible forum software. If you look at something old school like PHP BB, it makes sense. Huh? It's threaded, right? And okay. Let's look at something a bit more modern then, like uh, Discourse, which has a lot of the features of social media type stuff, but it is still threaded. You can still link someone to something that is not going to change. If you look at a thread, the only thing that's going to change is additional replies to it, whereas Reddit, you can go back and then things have just like moved around in order and stuff because things have been voted up and down. It's just a terrible, terrible idea, and I have no idea how it got so successful. I don't know. I think this, we're in danger of turning into grumpy old man cast, but I, I like Reddit because it's a snapshot of the zeitgeist and I have an account. So I've tailored it. As Dan says, I think you have to tailor the experience by subscribing to particular subreddits and hiding ones you don't want to see. And so if I want a bit of uplifting stuff, uh, casual UK is nice. You know, some bloke posted a photo. He bumped into David Mitchell and took a photo, a selfie with a comedian. And it was just a nice, Oh, look who I found in, uh, I bumped into this guy and posted a photo and everyone's like, Oh, that's nice. Uh, and there are other places that are quite nice where people post, um, like room porn where it's like photographs of aspirational, you know, architecture and uh, lovely rooms that are nicely decorated and have a lovely view out the window, stuff like that. There's lots of lovely stuff in there. But Reddit is is an amalgam of lots of other things. It's content stolen from other places, just like most other webs, just like Twitter. Someone posted a, a tweet the other day, like, who thought that in 2020 we'd be looking at content that's basically copy and pasted screenshots from each of these five websites, which is really what it is. It's like Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, and a couple of others. And if you treat it as that and don't worry about the, the software, I think you enjoy it. You've triggered me. You've triggered me with the use of room porn. I cannot stand things that are not porn being referred to as porn, like Unix porn and food porn. 
but I think I've probably complained about this on the show before, so I should probably shut up. I mean, you're totally giving me more ammunition, and I will certainly add that to the list of uh, Joe gripes um, and add it to all the others that I've collected over the time. Why that- do I do this to myself? <laughs> Yeah, I think maybe the part of the trouble is you're looking at Reddit as a forum, and Reddit is not a forum. Reddit is the AOL start page. It is links to shit that is going on with a few comments sprinkled in. Right, so don't look at the comments, essentially. No, the comments are certainly part of it, I think. Yeah, the, the comments are important, but it's it's not like a forum. Yeah, and I definitely, I never hit any of the other categories at the top. I never go to controversial or new that's just lunacy i wouldn't do that i just stick on the default view and just scroll up and down until i see something interesting pull down to refresh and if everything's blue then i've i've done with reddit for the day and close it well it depends on what it is because if you get into like if you're looking at something in our politics sometimes you got to sort by controversial which Mm. the way controversial works is it's posts with the most up and down votes like the farthest distance between the the numbers of up and down votes or something like that. I just, I like things to be linear. Like I've talked about with Twitter, I like to generally at least scan through everything. And I hate when it goes into that mode where it's like algorithmic. I want it to just be chronological and be able to read it all if I want to. And I think that Reddit is that that algorithmic it's kind of the epitome of that algorithmic style where it's like based on what people are voting and stuff. Whereas I I just don't want that. I'm sure you can order it by new, but even then it doesn't seem quite right. And I just don't like it. Do you really want to go into a, a, a Reddit post with 600 comments and read every fucking one of them? Like most of those people have nothing interesting to say. Well, that is true. And I suppose in a way that makes sense, but even the topics are not, properly chronological they get bumped up and down based on votes and it, it just confuses me and i don't like it i think you lost all credibility when you cited phpbb as a good example of a forum <laughs> <laughs> okay so the website i don't get is pinterest i just don't get it i don't get that at all it's just a collection of pictures okay you know what pinterest is Pinterest is like when you go through a bunch of magazines and cut out the things you like and put them in little folders. That's Pinterest. No, I don't do that. Why would anyone do that? (laughs) I thought you were going to say, I I had a buzzer ready to hit because I thought you were going to say mood board, but you didn't. So that's okay. (laughs) I avoided mood board, but it it is also that. (laughs) I carefully dodged mood board and went straight for cutting things out of magazines. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I just find Pinterest immensely frustrating because I will often find myself there as uh, the result of a Google image search for something. Mm-hmm. And then it like just doesn't work and like wants me to sign up and just like, ah, I just have to close the tab. Yeah, it's a bullshit walled garden of pretty photos. I hate it. It's shit. It yeah. should die. It should be blocked by, in fact, fuck it. I'm going to block it on my pie hole. <laughs> it's good if you're trying to create some kind of visual style for a physical space or event. Like if you're hosting a party and you're like, huh, like, okay, I'm going to have a Halloween party. Like, let's look up a bunch of different ideas for like decorations and appetizers and things like that. And then you like create this collection of ideas of like, okay, now I've got an idea of how I want my party to go. Like that's, that's who it's for. It's for people that are like event planning or like designing their room or whatever. I am willing to bet a shiny pound 
if I block Pinterest and was organizing an event, I would be successful in finding images related to that event without the fucking intervention of Pinterest in my life. But how are you going to organize them? Are you going to print them out and cut them and put them on your mood board? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you, Dan. Yeah.